Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm James Barty in Washington. Today is Monday, February 13. And here are some of the stories we are covering. Malawi drops charges against Mbato anti-corruption chief. The withdrawal of charges comes a few days after the United States and other international donors accused Malawi of fighting anti-corruption champions instead of corruption. We will speak with a spokesperson for President Lastro Chakwera. A three-day international women's conference opens today Monday in the South Sudan capital, Juba. Today, February 13, is World Radio Day. Radio continues to be the most easily accessible communication medium, educating, informing, and entertaining all segments of society. And the ninth edition of the Amani Festival was held over the weekend in Eastern DRC. Those stories plus our Black History Month facts of the day and Samsung O'Malley sports are coming up on Daybreak Africa. Malawi has dropped criminal charges against Anti-Corruption Bureau Director General Martha Chizuma in connection with leaked audio in which she apparently complained that some officials were frustrating her fight against corruption. Lamek Masina reports from Blantyre. Director of Public Prosecutions Masao Karam said in a statement that he has discontinued the criminal case against Chizuma in line with the Malawi Constitution and to ensure that the functions of the Anti-Corruption Bureau are not impeded. Chizuma was facing two counts of criminal defamation after two top officials she mentioned in a leaked audio as among those hindering her investigations sued her. The lawsuits led the government to suspend Chizuma until the court case is concluded. The withdrawal of charges comes a few days after the United States and other international donors accused Malawi of fighting anti-corruption champions instead of corruption. In a statement Wednesday, the U.S. Embassy in Lilongwe condemned what it called harassment of Chizuma. It also said the Malawi government was waging a campaign of intimidation against the country's anti-corruption chief. But the Malawi government denied those accusations. Chizuma's lawyer, Martha Kaukonde, told VOA that she has taken the news of withdrawal of charges with a pinch of salt as similar past announcements never materialized. As you recall, the same pronouncements were made by the Minister of Justice a month ago, and then nothing changed. We wrote to the minister and there was no formal withdrawal. So we're just waiting for the formal withdrawal. However, Jan Kagala said he has advised the Secretary to the President and the Cabinet, Colin Zamba, to reconsider her decision to suspend Chizuma. In the meantime, lawyers the government hired this week to challenge an injunction against the suspension of Chizuma say they have withdrawn their appeal, which had been expected to be heard Monday. Lamek Masina for VOA News, Blanta, Malawi. A spokesperson for Malawi President Lastro Chakwera says the country's anti-corruption bureau chief, Martha Chizuma, has been accused of many misdeeds in recent months, and not all of them have been instigated by the government. This after the U.S. Embassy in Malawi last week condemned what it calls 
two months of harassment of Chizuma by government officials. The embassy said such actions have severely damaged the credibility of the Malawi government's fight against corruption. Sean Campodeni, director of communications for President Chaikwera, explained to me the government's role in the Chizuma case, including the roles of the attorney general and the head of the civil service agency. I agree that uh, the action of the government, in this case the office of the attorney general, to go to court does require some explanation. Now, the attorney general is constitutionally the head of the bar and is responsible for the application of rules across the legal profession in Malawi. Now, it was the attorney general's decision, as is by mandate given to his office, he felt that this action of summoning a judge to answer in court for something he did during the course of his duty was inappropriate because the legal system of Malawi is such that if you are dissatisfied with the decision a court has made, all you need to do is to appeal. What the Attorney General disagreed with was the requirement of a judge who has made a decision to be brought to court in order to answer for a decision he's made on the bench. He felt that to let that go unchallenged would be sending a message that says that it's open season on judges in Malawi. And the Attorney General felt responsible to protect the independence of the judiciary. Now, the Attorney General has been engaged in order for him to see whether uh, there are other remedies to this other than going to court. And the Attorney General is looking for those other remedies so that the situation is not exacerbated. And we are hopeful that he will find such a remedy. Sean, what do you say to, say, members of the opposition, even some in the civil society of Malawi, who are calling for President Chakwera to step down and for new elections to be held because they say that the president or your government has failed so far to do the job? Well, Malawi is a free country and everybody is at liberty to express themselves on the performance of government and on the performance of the president. That's why we have elections. That's also why we have a legislature, a parliament, where the president goes to answer questions. And so if uh, the president is doing something that is dissatisfactory to the people, there are checks and balances uh, within the system. If their interest is to see progress made in Malawi, there would lobby parliament where the president is constitutionally required to go and answer questions. In fact, the president is going to parliament a week from now in order to open parliament to deliver the state of the nation address and in order to answer questions from the people's representatives. These are all platforms that have been created in order to hold any administration accountable and to incentivize the administration to pursue certain uh, matters in the interest of the Malawian people and make progress. And so anybody interested in progress will be leveraging these instruments in order to see that progress done. What you don't do is to uh, just try to burn the house down because if you burn the house down, then nobody has any place to live. Sean Campodeni is the Director of Communications for Malawi President Lashra Chakwera. He was speaking with me from Lilongwe, Malawi.
A three-day international women's conference opens today Monday in the South Sudan capital, Juba, under the theme Transformational Leadership in Women, Peace and Security. Peterson Mangula is the UN Women Country Representative in South Sudan. He tells me the conference will bring together women from across Africa to discuss and amplify their voices in governance and economic leadership. This conference is looking at uh, providing the opportunities where all the women can come to South Sudan and share experiences on the trajectory which they had and how they got into those levels of leadership. And also to really encourage and build on some of those things to see how can we amplify the voices of women in African continent, but more so in countries such as South Sudan that have been under the conflict. So we really see this conference as a great opportunity to amplify the voices of women in the area of leadership, but also to see what are some of the remaining gaps and challenges that we can collectively address as feminists, as women, as member states, really continue addressing the vulnerabilities which are faced by women and girls in African continent, especially in South Sudan. So you're having the conference in South Sudan where the issue of peace and security is at a very slow pace. How would you describe the role of women in peace and security in South Sudan? In other words, what role do you think or expect that they could play? Thank you so much. As you know, uh, South Sudan is the youngest country we can see. And it went through a protracted conflict over the years. And some of the efforts which are bringing in peace in this country has been the role of women. You might be knowing already that uh, currently South Sudan is under a revitalized peace agreement, uh, which was signed in 2018, and providing a framework through which South Sudan can become uh, a state after going through uh, different layers, including elections, constitution, and so on. But in terms of bringing this conflict to an end, women have played a key role, especially in peace negotiations at the subnational level, at the national level, at the community level. And as part of those efforts, you find out that even in the peace agreement, they provided a 35% quota for women to be in the different levels, including the political parties. And since then, we can see that women and, and the leadership of South Sudan has prioritized the women in the different layers. You find now that the speaker is a woman, the speaker of parliament. We find over 22% of women in the legislative assembly appointed women to have the leadership at the state level. We have a number of women there. So women are really continuing to play a key role in bringing peace to South Sudan. And we hope that also this conference comes at the same at the time to see that we can echo the role of women to really bring South Sudan into peace. Thank you so much again, Mr. Magula. It's very nice to talk to you. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Peterson Magula is the UN Women Country Representative in South Sudan. He was speaking with us from Juba. You are listening to Daybreak Africa on The Voice of America. I am James Butty in Washington. Today is Monday, February 13. Still to come on our program, our Black History Month facts of the day and something O'Malley sports. More than 3 billion people tune in to listen to the radio every week. 
The United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, UNESCO, says the broadcasting system is still the most powerful mode of communication. As the world marks World Radio Day today, Monday, UNESCO says the medium remains popular because of its accessibility and resourcefulness. Maureen Ojiambo reports. Radio remains one of the most widely used media around the world, even with the rise of streaming services and podcasts. Radio broadcasts offer information and the possibility for people to participate, regardless of their literacy levels and socioeconomic status. And this year's World Radio Day outlines radio's key role in moderating conflict and tensions, encouraging reconciliation and discussion. Tofik Jelassi is the Assistant Director General for Communication and Information Sector at UNESCO. He says with its influence, radio reaches the most remote areas and marginalized people. Radio continues to be the most easily accessible communication medium, educating, informing, and entertaining all segments of society. Radio plays a fundamental role in counseling, mediation, and reconciliation for harmonious human relations, promoting peace to overcome civil, national, and international conflicts. The theme of this year's World Radio Day is Radio and Peace. It comes at a time when we face growing misinformation and disinformation. And with the growth of social media, traditional media are facing stiff competition, but radio is still leading in terms of relaying information to the public. Veteran radio journalist Martin Kingasia has been working in radio for the last 33 years. He is currently the control of programs at the Kenya Broadcasting Corporation, KBC. Indeed, radio is still very useful and relevant to populations across Kenya, Africa and the world. While we admit that conventional media is losing audiences to social media, it is not suffering a chronic uh, audience departure like other conventional media. Of course, we are adapting the new forms of media by churning out radio content through FB Live, WhatsApp chats. Our content is available in TikTok, specifically signposting for radio. According to UNESCO, radio is still changing lives across the globe. King Asia says radio may be forced to accommodate the digital trend to remain relevant and that technology has changed radio operations in terms of getting information and news stories on time. Radio has grown and evolved over the years. From a time when news used to be shipped in from the colonial masters in the 1930s, 1940s and 1950s to today when news is um, just on people's palms through mobile phones. From a time when villagers used to crowd around one radio provided by the provincial administration. From a time when people waited for breaking news to be brought to them at a certain time of the day to today when news is breaking every minute. Radio is suited for multilingualism, where the audience may need to hear programs in their primary language, particularly if the said language is local. UNESCO says local languages are crucial to the public's access to information. Tofik Jelassi says radio represents the main source of reliable journalism. Let us use radio to alleviate such situations by providing balanced, diverse and inclusive programs that promote peaceful and harmonious relationships. Lastly, we applaud all technological innovations that facilitate access to the radio and expand the dissemination of its programs in order to spread messages of friendship, hope and peace.
Happy World Radio Day 2023. Indeed, it is a happy World Radio Day in 2023 as the medium has sustained its usage over time by providing information, educating people, allowing expression across cultures and above all playing your all-time favorite music. Reporting for VOS Daybreak Africa, I am Moreno Jembo in Sacramento, California. And here are the views of some Nigerians about radio on this World Radio Day, today, February 13. I do listen to Voice of America when I come back from markets. I enjoy listening to radio when I came back from markets so that I will be using it to hear what is going on in the country and I use it to have my rest. Happy World Radio Day to Voice of America. Well, I listen to radio when I need to listen to it. Like as the thing is going in Nigeria now, I turn on my radio to listen to it. I don't actually listen to radio that much, but the condition of Nigeria make me to listen to radio. Let me see, by 8.39, when I'm done from work, Happy World Radio Day to Voice of America. I listen to the radio because of my mom. And when I listen to the radio is uh, when I'm in the house with Hasha. Like, she listens to the radio all the time. She's not a television person. And she doesn't have an Android phone. So, radio is a uh, to-go. <laughs> <laughs> Happy World Radio Day to Voice of America. Um, for entertainment, sometimes at evening when I'm done with work, that's when I listen to radio. Sometimes, news, based on this, our current like technology time we use our phones we watch it so based on my mom she do listen to radio so i listen when she listen okay happy world radio day to voice of america so most times i find myself listening to radio sometimes by accident like when i'm in the uber or something and most times it's just you know just to distract myself from the everyday you know social media and all so i listen to radio i listen to radio because I tend to find new songs, okay, if I'm being honest. Like, okay, they're playing songs, they're like, okay, what's this song? I like it. I have to go and look for it. And then you get the new gist. They're always talking about what is trending and everything. So I think that's about it. Okay, happy World Radio Day to Voice of America. The views of some Nigerians about radio on this World Radio Day today, February 13. The ninth edition of the Amani Festival was held this weekend in Bukavu, South Kivu province in the eastern part of the Democratic Republic of Congo. The annual cultural event was well attended by festival goers who came from all parts of the Great Lakes region of Central Africa. The celebration used public entertainment to encourage peace in the conflict raiding area. Zaneb Neti Zaidi has details. This year, the Amani Festival was held at the Atene Dibanda in Bukavu, a celebration which from Friday to Sunday used the music and dance from the Congo, Rwanda and Burundi to huge an end to fighting in a region with multiple ethnic conflicts, according to Jean Kasambia. He says that he feels good because during the days he spent here, he benefited from the festival's efforts to promote peace, which he hopes will come as event ends. The eight previous editions were held in the neighboring city of Goma, which is the capital of the province of North Kivu. Despite its new location, 
young people from Goma like Patrick Mundeke went to Bukavu to attend the events. He says that the young people came to Bukavu because the festival belongs to them. It gathers together all young people and does not focus on particular ethnic groups or political parties. It brings everyone together. He says if we dance together today, we will not kill each other tomorrow. Burundian artist Aguririmana Guerrera says traditional dances from his country energized the festival goals and brought together young people from various countries in East Africa. He says that Burundian artists were present thanks to the government in Bujumbura which wanted to show the world that we are united and must continue to support each other. More than 700 young people volunteered to promote and provide security which helped make the event a success. In addition, the festival included booths where young entrepreneurs could showcase an entrepreneurship window for youth to showcase their projects. Zanem Zaidi for VOA Africa. It is time now for Daybreak Africa Sports and here is something Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. A very good Monday morning to you, something. Good Monday morning to you too, James. We begin the sports in Spain, where the defending champions of the Basketball African League, U.S. Monastery of Tunisia, lost the third-place playoff to Rio Grande Valley Vipers of Brazil in the FIBA Intercontinental Cup. U.S. Monastery wrapped up their participation in the Intercontinental Cup on a disappointing note, losing 107 to 84 points against the Brazilian side. U.S. Monastery captain Raudune Silma sums up their participation in the tournament in these words. Yeah, it was a big experience to play against team in that level. Tenerife uh, uh, is one of the best teams in Europe last few years. They are very strong and they showed that Friday. Uh, also the G-League team a lot of athletic and uh, talented players. Uh, they are uh, so good. Uh, now uh, we are African champion, but the level in Europe or in uh, the States is different a little bit. And now to athletics where Abdisa Tola and Dera Dida achieved an Ethiopian double at the Dubai Marathon Award Athletics Gold Label Road Race on Sunday. Making his marathon debut, 22-year-old Tola clocked 2 hours, 5 minutes, 42 seconds to win the men's race by 9 seconds. In the female category, Dida, the 2019 World Cross Country Silver Medalist, ran a personal best of 2 hours, 21 minutes, 11 seconds for the first marathon victory of her career. Staying with marathon race this time around in Hong Kong, Kenya's Philemon Kipto Kichumba claimed victory in the Hong Kong Marathon, also a World Athletics Gold Label Road Race, while the women's title was won by Ethiopia's Fantu Jima. 
Kipchumba ran 2 hours 10 minutes 47 seconds for the second marathon win of his career after his success in Munich last October. In the ladies category, Jimas win in 2 hours 27 minutes 50 seconds comes after a 4th place finish at the Oredo Doha Marathon in 2 hours 23 minutes 21 seconds last month. And finally, to the opening group state marches played across various venues in the CAF Confederations Cup on Sunday. Congo Brazzaville's Diabels Noor scored three first half goals to beat Nigeria's Rivers United 3 0 to a zone leadership of Group B. Asek Mamosa and DR Congo's DC Mutemba Pembe played out to a barren draw in the other Group B match played at the same time. And that's it on this Monday's edition of Daybreak Africa Sports. I am Samson Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. It's back to you, James, in Washington. Thank you, Samson. Have a good Monday. February is Black or African American History Month here in the United States. The idea for the celebration began on February 1st, 1926 as Negro History Week by Dr. Carter G. Wilson. It became a month-long event in 1976. Here are some African American and African history facts for today, February 13. On this day, 1923, the first black professional basketball team was organized. It was called the New York Renaissance. When the NBA was first created, it was segregated, and the Rens, as they were known, changed that. The team went on to dominate for 25 years not only black professional basketball, but all basketball. Did you know that an African-American, Dr. Charles Richard Drew, was the first person to develop the blood bank? His introduction of a system for the storing of blood plasma revolutionized the medical profession. And that's it for this Monday, February 13th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for beginning your week with us. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa crew, I am James Barton, Washington.